0: Welcome back to Mind Milk Theory, a podcast about niche interest nerdery, with me, sometimes contemporary artist, Jim Lockie. This week, we're leaning hard on that term nerdery, and I'm going to be talking about something that emerged out of my love of 90s video games. But like with all episodes, I want to find ways in which the subjects I discuss can have universal application, that they'll say something about who we are or about the creative process, So I hope you'll stick with me for today's fascinating journey. This episode, Game Boy Camera. A story about true sight, the hidden world and revealed nature. Can you remember what it was like before modern smartphones gave us digital cameras in our pockets of higher quality than they had any right to be? I am able to take shots on my phone today that rival the bulky expensive DSLR camera I had to borrow from my university 15 years ago. Since the iPhone first came along in 2006, digital cameras have become not only common but standard. Prior to that the market was still split between digital and traditional film. It was really the convenience of taking and sharing pictures that smartphones presented that tilted the scales. But what if I told you that way back in 1998 one of the very first digital cameras accessible to average consumers, not only fitted in your pocket, not only allowed you to take selfies, but also let you edit your photos and add filters and frames similar to those introduced by Instagram only a couple of years back. 1998. That's over 20 years ago. The innovations that brought digital photography to the mainstream through the smartphone did not begin there they have an obvious uh, predecessor that was so ahead of its time that most people today don't even remember that it existed. I am of course talking about the Game Boy camera made by Nintendo. You heard that right, this bizarre future tech was a game, essentially a toy, released as an accessory to the Nintendo Game Boy. That's hardware from 1989 which Famously utilized already outdated components to keep its costs low. Yet the Game Boy Camera preempted, predicted, and predated 21st century selfie culture in the 20th century. It was a crazy, wild device thrown up at the end of the Game Boy's life cycle that no one really understood, but that would come to make sense to anyone looking back from today's social media drenched world. I first came to the Game Boy Camera as a child, I had one in 98, I was 11, and when I was an adult I came to use the device to create artwork. In 2011 and 2012 I had my first residency and I used the Game Boy Camera in that project, combining its monochrome capabilities with red, blue and green filters to create colour composites. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll describe the hardware a little. And then we'll get into why I began using it as a medium for art. For anyone unfamiliar, the Game Boy itself only displayed four shades of grey, or green if you were using one of the fat DMG Game Boys. Those shades were essentially white, black, and two intermediate tones. Any image displayed on a Game Boy screen necessarily had to be simplified, abstracted, and designed around the limitations of the display. When taking photographs with the Game Boy Camera, the user also needs to learn to work within those tight constraints. Without paying attention to contrast and composition for example, the 128x112 pixel postage stamp sized photos produced by the Game Boy Camera are completely illegible. It forced young users to get to grips with some fundamental photography principles whilst packaging the device in a fun way that encourages silliness and experimentation. Within the software are editing options from adding frames and stamps, to drawing on your photos and making pixel-perfect edits. You could also create short animations and import your photos into a small but compelling suite of mini-games. I was always most interested by the minigame DJ, which actually allowed you to write and sequence your own music. Though without any talent, my tunes always sounded pretty awful. Part of the joy of the Game Boy Camera was how it threw all these tools of digital art creation at kids without holding their hands. That was also one of its drawbacks. The Game Boy Camera was just too weird and strange to make it in the mainstream. The software seemed to lean into that weirdness too, with obscure references to RPG gaming tropes and various hidden images of the developers, edited to look like bizarre monsters. The physical game cartridge featured a bulbous mechanical eye that sat atop the Game Boy, turning it into a cyber cyclops. Within the iris of that eye was the sensor of the digital camera. It looked strange, and what was stranger was that you could... Grip that eye and twist it through 180 degrees so that you could choose whether the camera faced the world or faced the user. Again, prefiguring the selfie. What attracted me to the Game Boy Camera as a means of making art, aside its nostalgic and aesthetic qualities, was the idea that its grainy and distorted photos were not truly abstractions, in the sense that they do not deviate from representing the world as it really presents itself to the camera sensor. What they are in fact are distillations of reality. The images produced are representations of the physical world, but the low resolution, colour count and small scale distill the subject to near unrecognisable degrees. Objects in the photos begin to appear more like symbols rather than images of real things in tangible space. I was intrigued by the idea that these mechanical simplifications might reveal something hidden in the subject, as it forces us to look at them in a different way, from a new angle, as it were. And perhaps a related process to Mondrian's move from abstractions of recognizable architecture to the pure geometry within the subject. When I first started working on my three color process for creating color photos from the Game Boy Camera, I was in the middle of a residency at Swedenborg House. And so I wanted to make an illusion to esoteric thought in this connection to 17th century mystic Emanuel Swedenborg. This idea was reinforced in my replication of early photography techniques. As to create colour plates, I would composite three separate shots of the subject, each one taken with a coloured filter, one red, one green and one blue. The resulting composite image would then mix these primary inputs to create 64 possible colours out of the initial four tones. By collapsing the distance between 18th century plate process and verge of the 21st century digital photography it felt as if some of the magic of the photographic process was reintroduced when a photograph could capture your soul and magicians conjured images out of chemicals in blacked out rooms. The strange images produced by the camera were hidden within the subject but drawn out. Finding the right coloured filters to use And taking the camera apart to install a tiny infrared blocking lens in order to create the best images I could held an alchemical thrill for me. But I'll resist going into any more technical detail. The advertising for the Game Boy camera in the UK and Australia traded on the idea of a hidden world and featured a kid using his camera to secretly uncover the space alien identities of his family i live with aliens i can prove it my gameboy camera reveals all they landed on earth and moved into my house there are four alien life forms here you can see their leader espionage aliens and the opportunity to draw goofy teeth on a photo of your sibling that marketing worked on me as an 11 year old but it also spoke to this emerging concept of using the camera as a skewed way of looking at the things we know and revealing what is hidden. It is this point which brings us to the conclusion of this episode, which is lucky because I've only just been able to hold myself back from discussing every strange detail of the weird and wacky Game Boy camera. The conclusion is this thought about the nature of the creative process, Art is sometimes about finding lenses through which the subject becomes new again and the audience is allowed to see that subject with fresh eyes and being allowed to feel the feelings of the work as if for the first time. Whether a piece achieves that aim is a different matter but I think it's a good aspiration for us to have for our art. I wonder if that description of art as a lens through which to see the world anew brings to mind any experiences you've had with art. I know it's reminded me of a couple of pieces and the impact they've had on me as a viewer. Perhaps they'll be the subject of future episodes, we'll see. But until then, listener, stay safe, stay generous, stay compassionate and stay creative. And I'll see you next time. Oh, and by the way, our intro music is by Prod Rudyman. You can find him on the internet.